Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. So glad to be with you here today on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have got a lot to discuss, including some hope that the Islanders will be able to play at the Nassau Coliseum whenever next season gets underway. We'll have the latest news on that, plus the latest news on the approval of the collective bargaining agreement and return to play agreement that the NHL and the NHL Players Association made. We have our Islanders birthday of the day, a longtime Islanders defenseman, and we have, of course, a little bit more of a preview of the upcoming playoff series, or should I say play-in series, with the Florida Panthers. So lots to get to today. If there's something you would like us to discuss, please feel free to Send us an email with your question, comment, or a topic that's on your mind. The email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name, where you're from. We're happy to mention you on the air. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and happenings around the New York Islanders. All right, so the Nassau Coliseum uh, yesterday, some interesting news, great article by Randy Marshall, who does a fantastic job of covering all the business side of the Nassau Coliseum and the politics and everything else that should or should not be going on, but is. Uh, and, And right now, Nassau County basically explaining that what they did to shut down the Coliseum and get Mr. Prokhorov to, um, you know, sort of move on from there. Uh, It's not just about collecting unpaid rent. According to this article, uh, they're trying to get a way to reopen the Coliseum, make sure that the Islanders are able to play there in 2021 And they still want to develop the Nassau Hub, which is the area around the Coliseum, and get that project going. It's still, you know, here we are a decade later, and it still blows my mind at the opportunity that Nassau County wasted with denying the Lighthouse Project. No, you know, I I don't think Nassau County would have been pleased if the late Charles Wong would have had uh, all the things that he asked for. 
But the fact that no compromise was offered, that no negotiations were entered into to reach some kind of middle ground, and now here we are in 2020 still trying to figure out uh, what to do with this area. So Nassau County and Nassau County Executive Laura Curran, her quote in this uh, piece, we can't take a passive role here. We have to get some control and construction conservation going, and we can have it to lead it if we can. So right now, Nassau County has filed a default notice with Ox, uh, Onyxeme Sports and Entertainment. They owe $2.1 million to the county. If they don't pay it, they can terminate the lease. But right now, what they're hoping is that Nassau Coliseum Funding 100 LLC will come to the table, work with the county, and find a way to move forward. Hopefully that also involves reopening the Nassau Coliseum and getting things moving uh, for the Islanders to play there, for other events to take place when, uh, I'm not going to say when and if, but when it's possible to hold concerts again. And look, from an Islander fan's perspective, if we're looking at December or maybe January to start the next NHL season, you know that the Islanders would rather play in the Coliseum than anywhere else. And hopefully that is something that can be worked out. So a little bit of hope right there for the Islanders to play at the Coliseum and to do so next season, but uh, I guess it's just one step at a time when you look at all of this stuff. And look, it's politics, it's business, there's a lot of uh, gamesmanship and brinkmanship and negotiation, and hopefully, in the end, the bottom line, you know, I don't think most Islander fans care who runs the Coliseum as long as they run it well, and the Islanders are able to play there next season, which really would be uh, their final farewell to the Nassau Coliseum. Meanwhile, talking about the Nassau Coliseum, article in The Athletic yesterday ranking all of the home arenas in the National Hockey League from the very best to the very worst. Now, there are 31 teams in the NHL. Uh, however, there are 32 arenas because the Islanders played both at the Barclays Center and at the Coliseum this year. And look, nobody should be surprised that the Nassau Coliseum and the Barclays Center did not rank in the top three or five or whatever. Uh, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas was ranked number one. Uh, that's, you know, a, a brand new arena, so I can't say that is a shock. The Bell Center is ranked second, and that's a beautiful arena, and the way they do things there with the tradition and the light show before a playoff game and all of that, very, very impressive. Third, sorry, Islander fans, uh, Madison Square Garden, newly renovated and, uh, admittedly, looking much better than it did before the renovation, Madison Square Garden ranked third, uh, and then rounding out the top five, the 
the Bell MTS place in Winnipeg, home, of course, of the Winnipeg Jets. And then the new arena in Pittsburgh, now known as the PPG Paints Arena, that rounds out the top five. So where do you think the Islanders ranked? Well, okay, other local teams, the Devils Prudential Center ranking 28th, um, but the Islanders Nassau Coliseum 30th. That's even behind the home of the Florida Panthers. Uh, so the Islanders at the Coliseum 30th. And it's ironic, you know, the, one of the things that they knocked about the Coliseum gave it a very low grade for location. What they don't understand is for most Long Islanders, it's a darn good location. It's not necessarily convenient to get there from the city. But if you have a car and you live on Long Island, location is a pretty good uh, selling point for the Coliseum. Obviously, the old building, some of the comments included, you know, it's got character, uh, trying to figure out, uh, you know, the history of it and, and praising that. Obviously, the Coliseum, not the most modern building and not known for its big, spacious amenities and, and, and the concourses and everything else. Located last, or 31st, next to last, the Barclays Center, which to me wrongfully got a higher grade for location, but the uh, atmosphere and press box got extremely low grade. So the Islanders with two homes ranking 30th and 31st out of 32 arenas. Folks, that will change when the Islanders move to the Belmont Park Arena in another couple of years. And if you want your car to last a couple of years or even longer, you've got to check out rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody. It does not require membership or an account logon. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a, full, a few easy clicks, and they deliver it directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com you know it's frustrating as an islander fan to see the team get no respect from the national media and you know again to me the history of the nassau coliseum plus the outstanding sight lines and the noise and the atmosphere at the coliseum they should be a little bit higher than 30th in the league and you know location wise again for long islanders the Coliseum is a very well-located venue. It, it, it just isn't so convenient if you're in the city or trying to get there, let's say, from an airport. Either way, all going to change when we move to Belmont, and that is just another season away. 
and I'm really looking forward to the Islanders' new home. Meanwhile, um, the NHL Players Association Executive Board approved the tentative collective bargaining agreement, and now it's up to the players themselves to vote. The NHL's Board of Governors also have to approve it, but that seems to me to be a foregone conclusion. They need two-thirds of the owners to approve it. So yes, yesterday it did take another step forward, and we shall see what's going to happen. Still no word yet on Ilya Sorokin. Again, I expect by the end of this week that we will know something about what he's going to decide to do, and negotiations between Sorokin and the Islanders seemingly uh, ongoing right now, according to my sources, and we shall see. Now, don't forget, players do have the option to opt out. Once the agreement is approved, they have 72 hours to tell their teams, hey, you know, we don't feel comfortable, we don't feel safe playing under these conditions with the coronavirus, and I'm going to sit this one out. So that is still a possibility. Haven't heard anything either way with regard to Uh, any Islanders players who are contemplating that, but again, we will keep you posted throughout. All right, our Islanders birthday of the day, a defenseman who played with the Islanders in the mid-2000s for four seasons. He joined the Islanders uh, after being drafted by the team in the seventh round back in 2004, spent one year with Bridgeport, a full year, then came up to the Islanders in 2005-2006, spent the next four seasons on Long Island. I am speaking of Chris Campoli, the Mississauga, Ontario native, 36 years old today, and Campoli uh, stayed active as a professional hockey player through the 2015-2016 season, played Uh, In the NHL through 2011-2012, then spent two years in Switzerland and three years in Sweden before announcing his retirement. His best offensive season with the Islanders was his first campaign, 2005-2006. He played in 80 games, 9 goals, 34 points, and 46 penalty minutes for Campoli. And we're going to look back at one of his better games, and it was a big game for the New York Islanders as well. We're talking about uh, April 3rd, 2007, Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Rangers invading the Coliseum to take on the Islanders. We're late in that 2007 season. This is the, there's three games left after this. Rangers needed a win to clinch uh, their division. Islanders needed to win all four of their remaining games to have a chance to make the playoffs. Henrik Lundqvist was the goalie for the Rangers. As far as the Islanders were concerned, Rick DiPietro was injured. Backup Mike Dunham was also injured. And so the Islanders turned to a guy who spent most of his career in the minor leagues, a 27-year-old rookie who up until then had played nine NHL games. Wade Dublowitz and Doobie came through 
for the New York Islanders in this one. Tough game. First period, Aaron Asham gets the Islanders on board just two minutes and 52 seconds into the game. His 10th from Randy Robitaille and Chris Campoli. Islanders led 1-0 after 1. In the second period, the Islanders take a 2-0 lead as Alexi Yashin gets his 17th. Chris Campoli again with the assist. And it's 2-0 Islanders, 5 minutes and 2 seconds in to the middle stanza. The Rangers get a shorthanded goal to get back in it. Jed Ortmeier was in the box for tripping. And then Brendan Shanahan with the shorty, his 29th of the year. Martin Straka and Marek Malik with the helpers at 9.02. And it's a one-goal game. Then later on in the period, Michael Nylander, his 26th from Yaramir Yager at 12.52. And we were all tied at two apiece. They go to overtime. The Islanders were shorthanded for the last 53 seconds of overtime. Brandon Witt was called for holding. He sat in the box, but the Islanders were able to kill it off in large part due to some good goaltending by Wade Dublowitz. In the shout, Miro Chetan gets the goal off of Lundqvist, a backhander. In the first round of the shootout, the Rangers had three players going up against Wade Dublowitz. First, Michael Nylander, then Brendan Shanahan, and then Yaramir Yager, and Dublowitz stopped them all. Here's what he had to say. I saw Nylander was going to his backhand, and I like using my stick when I can, so I had a chance to poke it away. On Yager, it seemed like he bobbled it at the last second, so he didn't get off a real good shot like he wanted to. I still had to make sure to get on it before it snuck over the line. Uh, Ted Nolan, then the Islanders coach, said about Doobie, he played a great game. When you look at the three shooters, those are three world-class shooters. The way Dublowitz played through the whole game, plus the shootout, he was sensational. And... The Islanders stayed alive, and yes, they did manage to sneak into the playoffs that year and uh, ended up losing a five-game series to the top seed in the Eastern Conference that year, the Buffalo Sabres. After leaving the Islanders midway through the 2008-2009 season, uh, Campoli spent one full season and two partial seasons in Ottawa part of a season with the Blackhawks, and then closed out his NHL career playing 43 games for the Canadiens back in 2011 and 2012. So happy birthday to Chris Campoli. Hard to believe that, you know, Chris Campoli is only turning, you know, hard to believe, 36 years old. There are players in this league still going at that rate, but uh, Chris Campoli, very nice guy. Always a pleasure to interview him when he was with the Islanders, and we wish him a very, very happy 36th birthday. All right, so welcome back. Dan Rosen, the respected columnist at NHL.com. He's doing a column where he's picking the winner of all of the play-in rounds uh, coming up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, when it came to the Islanders-Panthers, Rosen is not going with the Islanders. Again, 
no respect from the national media, no love for the New York Islanders. Uh, Rosen basically citing the uh, slow finish that the Islanders had. They were 19-20-8, he says, in the 47 games after their point streak ended. And in that 47-game span, they were 24th in the league in goals per game and 28th in the league on the power play. Uh, And basically, he says, the defense will remain solid and their goaltending should be too, but I don't think they're going to score enough goals to beat the Panthers, who were sixth in scoring and who I think will get elite goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, Bobrovsky is one of those players, he says, who I think will benefit from the pause and getting what is almost a restart to the season. So, yeah, I mean, again, people questioning the Islanders' uh, offense, and that is a very understandable thing. And the question really becomes, if you're the Islanders, how do you overcome that? And I think there's a number of factors involved uh, as to how the Islanders overcome their lack of offense. Certainly, they're going to need Jean-Gabriel Pajot to come up and play the way he did in Ottawa. Uh, You know, here's a guy who scored a couple of goals in his first two games with the Islanders and then fell off and didn't score a point after that in his last five games before play was suspended. And I'll tell you, first of all, he'll have more time to adjust and get to know his teammates, get more familiar with, you know, the area and everything else. But more importantly, I I, I think that, you know, the first couple of games that you you join a new team, the adrenaline is pumping and Pajot is ready. And and, and then after that, you know, you realize, hey, my family's still back in Ottawa. Uh, Things are very different here. Not as many people speak French. Um, You know, a lot of adjustments had to be made and looking for a new place to live, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this is his chance. You know, the Islanders signed Pajot to an extension. They're going to need more production from that third line. And that's one key. The other key, I think, uh, is going to be getting one of the young forwards, whether it's Oliver Wallstrom or Kiefer Bellows. I think Bellows is more likely to be the choice. But I would insert Bellows into the lineup if I'm the Islanders and try to get him going because he's the kind of guy who can play that physical style. He could be, at this point in his career, similar to Anders Lee in that he'll muck things up in front of the goal, disturb the other goalie, battle for position, get those deflections, those rebounds. And look, other than Matthew Barzal and and maybe Jordan Eberle, The Islanders don't have a lot of guys who are going to make those end-to-end rushes, those highlight reel goals, you know. That's not what you're going to see from the Islanders. And getting a guy whose style would fit, getting those dirty goals from in close and giving opposing defenses another guy to worry about in that role, I I I think you add Bellows to this lineup, put him... On the third line, you got the fourth line as your energy line. I I think that may very well be the best thing for the Islanders to do. 
once the playoffs get underway, and it will help them overcome the explosiveness of the Florida Panthers. And look, the Islanders don't need to score four or five goals in a game to win games in this playoff series. They're going to win two to one, three to two, four to two with an empty netter. I mean, that's the kind of game the Islanders tend to play and the Islanders tend to win. The key is to get those three goals or more consistently and get good enough goaltending from either Varlamov or Grice to be able to move on and beat the Florida Panthers. I think they can do it. You know, I would favor the Islanders in this series, but is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcatcher of your choice. That helps other Islander fans find the podcast. This wraps up this edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Remember, every day gets us one day closer to hockey. And of course, let's go Islanders.